and turn to page 612, 612. He keeps me singing, amen. 612, 612. There is in my heart a melody, Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee, peace be still, in all love's life ebb and flow. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. forth though sometimes he leads through waters deep trials fall across the way though sometimes the path seems rough and steep see his footprints all the way jesus 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 sweetest name i know fills my Beyond the starry sky, I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall ring with him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. And sooner or later, 159, sooner or later, our Lord will return. Amen. 159, 159. Sooner or later, the skies will be bright. Tears will be all wiped away. Sooner or later, then cometh the light. Night will be turned into day. Sooner or later, cares will have flown, sunshine and gladness will see. Sooner or later, God calleth his own, with him forever to be. Sooner or later, our Lord knows the hour, he'll send his beloved son. Sooner or later, in his might and power, our battles all will be won. Sooner or later, cares will have flown, sunshine and gladness will see. Sooner or later, God calleth his own, with him forever to be. Sooner or later, yes, sooner for some, 
darkness will all then be past. Sooner or later our Savior will come, with him will your lot be cast. Sooner or later cares will have flown, sunshine and gladness will see. Sooner or later God calleth his own, with him forever to be. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with each part of this service, that you would be honored and glorified in it. We ask you bless the special music. Lord, we ask that you would allow us to just sing these songs to you, to your worship and to your glory. We ask for your name to be lifted up and, Lord, our lives to be changed, that we may serve thee more. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And this time we're going to have peace come and give us a special song this morning.
Amen. A blessing. Let's stand together and let's do two more songs here. 111, 111, lead me to Calvary, 111. One eleven, King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy thorn-crowned brow, lead me to Calvary, lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thy124, 124, kneel at the cross. Kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there. Come while he waits for you. Listen to his voice, leave him with your care, and begin life anew. There is room for all, 
there awaits. Harm can ne'er befall those who are anchored there. Kneel at the cross. Leave every care. Kneel at the cross. Jesus will meet you there. Kneel at the cross. to realms above. Turn not away to life's sparkling cup. Trust only in his love. Kneel at the cross. Leave every care. Kneel at the cross. Jesus will seated. Take your Bibles if you would and let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 13 where we'll begin this morning and there's no way we can cover this entire subject in just one sermon but uh, many of these uh, things that we'll be looking at 1 Kings chapter 13 And uh, you may be somewhat puzzled by the title of the morning's message, but I want you to uh, think about this, biblical lies. It's not lies that the Bible gives as truth. That's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about is lies that are recorded in the Scripture. And if you were here for Sunday school, one of the things that we alluded to was illustrated in our Sunday school time this morning was the fact that the devil doesn't have any new things. He, he's still very busy using the old ones. And 1 Kings chapter 3 is probably the most prevalent lie. In fact, uh, uh, I got the idea for this message as I was listening to the preaching at a meeting we were at in... Uh, I was at, Brother Newberger and I went to Texas a couple weeks ago in February, and uh, the pastor spent the whole morning on this, his whole sermon on this one passage, but we're going to kind of just get started here. Let's look at verse 18 of 1 Kings chapter 13, and let me just kind of set the uh, context here. Uh, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, had become king of Israel, the ten northern tribes had broken out away from Solomon's rule. They had anointed them a new king. His name was Jeroboam. And uh, no relation there whatsoever, but Jeroboam was the king of the ten northern tribes. And as he contemplated his kingship and his newfound kingdom, he said, if I let all of my people go to Jerusalem to worship, They're going to return their loyalty to the house of David and kill me, and then I won't be king. Well, there was only one problem with that. The prophet had already told Jeroboam that if you'll follow God's way, I'll establish you as the king because I'm using you to punish the house of David for Solomon's sins. But Jeroboam, of course, would not listen to the word of God. And he made his own gods. 
And as he was instituting the religion in, in chapter 13 and chapter 12, a prophet came up. And that prophet spoiled Jeroboam's celebration. In the audience were some sons of an older prophet. And they went home and said, Dad, you should have seen this guy. It was just like the stories you tell us about. And this older prophet said, I'm going to go find that young prophet. And he comes, in verse 14, he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. In verse 15, he says, I want you to come home with me and eat bread. In verse 16, the unnamed prophet out of Judah says, I can't do that because God told me I am not to eat bread or drink water in this place. In verse 18, the old prophet speaks to him and he gives the first category, the the biblical lie that we're going to look at, he said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. Look at the last phrase. But he lied unto him. Now this was a man that at one time was a prophet. He wanted to be around this young prophet who had the power of God on his life, who God was giving a message to. And so he made up a story. And let me tell you, his lie is recorded in the Bible today so that we may understand we're going to hear the same lies today as this old prophet used, he said, I am a prophet as thou art. Now let me just ask you a question. If the old prophet was the same as the young prophet that came out of Judah, why didn't God use the old prophet? Because he wasn't the same. He was one of those used-to-be prophets. He was one of the guys that had been a prophet at one time and for one reason or another, he was not being used by God at this point. And normally the reason why God stops using people is because we stop using his word. But the biggest lie he told, he said, God sent an angel to me and that angel told me to bring you home and let you eat bread and drink water in my house. Now, if we study this passage, there are several times the young prophet said, and he repeats in verse 17, so just go back one verse, for it was said to me by the word of the Lord, thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way, that thou camest. He had very specific instructions. He was to go one way to Bethel, preach his message, go another way home. He was not to stop by the roadside rest area and 
and get any water or any food. He was to walk into the land of Israel, preach, and get home. What in the world he was sitting under an oak tree for, we will never know. If he hadn't been sitting under the oak tree, the old prophet would have never caught up to him. But the old prophet caught up, and the old prophet lied to him. And the lie that I want us to look at, summation of what the old prophet said, God changed his mind. God has changed his words. Let me tell you, anytime you hear someone saying that, you can understand they're repeating a biblical lie. Now, if you're going to lie to someone, would you repeat somebody else's lie? Isn't that the easiest way to get caught? Hello? And so God has recorded these lies in Scripture so that we will not be caught or entrapped in the lies that people will tell. Now, history, I, as I was getting, I've been thinking on this message for weeks and finally uh, I felt that today was the day to preach this message and I could, uh, we, could we could spend the whole morning here just going through history quoting men who said, it's okay to change God's words. In fact, if you go into any Christian bookstore today, except ours, uh, if you go into any major Christian bookstore, you will see a shelf called Bibles, and on that shelf there will be dozens of versions of the Bible they all say something different, but they all claim to be the same book. Now, I'm not trying to be ridiculous this morning, but things that are different aren't the same. Could we, could we agree on that? If it doesn't say the same thing, maybe it's not the same book. And people will say, well, you just believe that that old King James Bible is the only Bible to use. Yes, we don't make any apologies for that. Amen. We stand unashamedly on this book as being the Word of God translated into the English language. We reject the use of all modern versions. We go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. What was the devil's first attack on Eve? Did God really say, yea, hath God said? You can go through the Bible and the lies that are recorded that men have told and the problem with lies is no matter how bad the lie is, there's always going to be somebody that believes it. Isn't that true? If that prophet, if that young man out of Judah had just listened to the words of this old prophet, he would have immediately understood that he was being told a lie. God does not change 
his words. God does not change his mind. God will not say, it's a sin to do this today, and it's okay to do this very same thing tomorrow. Now, someone may say, then why don't we take our sacrifices to the temple in Jerusalem like they did in the Old Testament? Why don't we keep the Sabbath? I always enjoy being around people like that because if they're bothering me, they're not bothering someone else that they can hurt. Amen? God did not change his mind about the law. He fulfilled it in Jesus Christ. He paid every debt owed by every human being in all history on the cross. No bank or loaning institution in the world will come to you and ask you to double pay a loan that's already been paid off. It's against the law. God is not asking us to double pay a loan that Jesus Christ already paid for us. Every day is Sabbath for the Christian because I rest from my works. Sabbath is rest because Jesus has finished the works. I do not take the sacrifices to the temple in Jerusalem because Jesus has already offered himself as God's great sacrifice one time for all sins forever. Amen? You're saying, but isn't it still wrong to murder? Oh, yes, it is. But I don't get to heaven by not murdering someone. I could live my whole life and never kill and never commit adultery and never tell a lie, and of course I just told one, but uh, the simple truth is, even if I were able to do all of those things my entire life, I still wouldn't get to heaven. Because the only way I get to heaven is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will read... Some of the things in, in, in history, it's just amazing what people will say. I believe it was in the 14 or early 1500s, one of the uh, high leadership in the Catholic Church came up with this statement and said, the perversion and the wickedness that has developed in the Roman Catholic system proves that the Roman Catholic Church is the true church of God because no organization could have become so corrupted and yet remain so true unless God was in it. Now, does that make sense to anybody? If it does, you've got more problems than you could imagine because there's no way something can become corrupt and still preach the truth. It's not possible. But let me tell you the next lie. He had a guy named Martin Luther come up and said, the church is so corrupt that I had to restart it. Jesus made a simple statement while he was here on earth. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell 
shall not prevail against it. Now, I wish we could spend the whole morning on just that one verse, but we can't. We need to move on. But that verse is fulfilled in two ways. Number one, no person that has ever believed Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and been born again the Bible way has lost their salvation. The devil has never prevailed over one soul. And from the days that Jesus has uttered those words until today, there has always been at least one congregation on the face of this earth that have gathered in Jesus' name and obeyed him the Bible way. But as an organization of people, are any of them perfect? If you're looking for the perfect church, don't join it because you'll destroy it. You won't find a perfect church till we get to heaven. And you won't have to worry about joining it because if you're there, you'll be part of it. Amen. But this prophet lied unto him. He said, God said for you not to do this, not to eat bread or drink water in the land of Israel, but God sent an angel to me telling me that it's okay for you to do that. Um, Does that sound like a guy named Muhammad? Met an angel that said the Bible's not the word of God. You need to have a new book. Uh, Does that sound like a guy named Joseph Smith who said an angel appeared to me and gave me a special pair of reading glasses that allowed me to read the gold tablets that they never found that have the new and the last revelation of Jesus Christ? You see, it's the same lies, my friend. It's just different people repeating other men's lies. We're not here to change the words of the book. We want these words to change us. We want to make ourselves the servant of the book. And by the way, just so no one misunderstands, I am not saying if you don't believe like Open Door Bible Baptist Church, you cannot be saved. That never have said that, never will say that, because that's not true. Open Door Bible Baptist Church is not the standard. The reason I recommend our church is because our church agrees with the standard as much as is humanly possible. This is the truth. And God's word has not changed. And when people come down through history, they all want to change God's word. God sets the standard for righteousness as absolute perfection, not one sin on your account. And yet, what does 90% of all religions say? Well, we know man has to sin. So we're going to do something about that. And each individual religion has a way, their way for you to pay for your sins. Now, they argue about and they fight wars with each other over their list of do's and don'ts. Only the Bible says that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins for us. 
We cannot earn God's righteousness. We must accept it as a gift. By the way, if you accept that gift, it's going to change everything about you. Amen. It's going to change the way you walk, the talk, way you talk, the way you think. Unfortunately, this young man believed the lie of the old prophet. And God's judgment came upon him. And if you read the rest of the chapter, he never made it back to his hometown. He was killed by a lion on the way. As a testimony to those who believed the lie who would change God's word. It's a living illustration for you and I. To understand that if someone wants to change these words, we ought to get away from them as fast as we can. Because there are many false gospels in this world today. There are many false ways and we've gone over this in time past. It's been a while. We're just going to review for a minute. Would any one of you in this room this morning go to a church that had over their door such and such church, we believe some of the Bible? Would anybody here walk into a church like that? We believe about 85% of the Scriptures. Would you want to go to a church like that? I wouldn't. So every church that's up there is going to say, we are the true church. We believe the word of God. There's only one way you can know. You got to get out the book and match it up. That's your responsibility. If this young man had just matched up the word of God with what the old prophet told him, it was absolutely apparent to anyone that somebody had to be lying. He chose to believe the lie. And I want to warn you today, many people on Judgment Day are going to come to the tragic realization that they believed the lie. They will not lose their physical life. They will lose much more. They will lose their eternal soul. Paul told the Galatians, he said, if I come back and I change my message, don't believe me. He said, if an angel shows up and tries to give you a message that's not, that you have not already received, it says, count them accursed. Here's God's message. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's message. Let's turn to the book of Ezra, if we could. And let's look at another lie that's recorded in the scripture. A biblical lie, it's recorded in the Bible. Ezra chapter 4. And again, it's a little overlap here, one that you're going to hear often, but this is just where we are, the world in which we live today. 
The book of Ezra tells the story during the life of Ezra. He was a contemporary with Nehemiah. Ezra is now going back in time about a hundred years or so and giving the story of the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. God had, because of the wickedness of his people, he had sent the armies of Babylon in. They destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They broke down the temple and took all of the things that were in it. The city of Jerusalem was burned with fire. And we have the children of Israel returning after 70 years. Verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Asher, which brought us up hither. Now, Zerubbabel's answers, verse 3, but Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord our God of Israel, as Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Now, the clarion call of our day is for unity, is it not? We all need to have one voice. Just listen to the news media. The only problem is if you disagree with what they think you believe, then you're in trouble now, aren't you? Now, talk to the governor of Wisconsin about that. Boy, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble by disagreeing with the prevailing mood of the day. Isn't that true? Talk to our former president. It's amazing. But in religious circles, how many times have we heard this lie? We all worship the same God. Isn't that what they said right here? They said, we seek your God as ye do. And we do sacrifice unto him. They said, we have a history that's over 70 years old. Well, let's check that history out. Let's go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 17. How many of you have ever bought something only to find out that after you purchased said item that it had been misrepresented unto you? Anybody ever have that happen? Uh, I think all of us have at one time or another. Uh, in New York, there's a saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, better be careful about that because most of the time, if you get fooled once, it's already shame on you now, isn't it? How many times have you been taken in by somebody's lie. I mean, every one of us have, have we not? But look here in chapter 17, and let's start in verse 24. Chapter 17 of the book of 2 Kings, verse 24, And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon, 
and from Cuthath, and from Ava, and from Hamath, and from uh, Seraphim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and they possessed Samaria and dwelled in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake unto the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore he hath sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them, because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom ye brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let, them, let him teach them the manner of the God of the land. Verse 28. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Howbeit every nation made gods of their own and put them in houses of the high places which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. Down to verse 33, verse 32, I'm sorry. So they feared the Lord and made unto themselves the lowest of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. They feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. Just because you say you believe in God does not mean you believe in the God of the Bible. Now, that's harsh. But you read the book of James, and it says, Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. The devil also believes and trembles. It's good to believe that there is one God. That is a step up from pantheism. That is a step up from polytheism, believing that there are many little gods out there who control everything. Yes, it's a step in the right direction, but that won't get you to heaven, my friend. If you want heaven, you have to believe in the God of the Bible. You have to believe what he said about himself and what he says about you. Amen? And just because we say we worship him, here was Jesus' words to the woman at the well in Samaria in John chapter 4. He said, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. This Bible that we hold is a Jewish book, my friend. We're not ashamed to make that admission. We're not afraid of that history because it is the history of the gospel. Jesus was a Jewish man. But if we worship him the same way, then we can't worship our own ideas in our own additions, in our own heart. It's got to be the Bible way or it's not. Those are our only options. We cannot serve God and. 
We cannot serve the God of the Bible another way. I mean, popular theology today says there are many ways that lead unto God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There are hundreds of places in this city where people assemble and claim to worship the Jesus Christ of the Bible. But here was Zerubbabel's answer. You're not worshiping our God unless you stop what you're doing and start doing what we're doing. We know in the next verse there, back in the book of Ezra, that they were not sincere in their desire to worship God. They came to Zerubbabel and they said, listen, you're rebuilding the temple. Let us build with with you because we worship your God and he is the true God. And as soon as Zerubbabel says, you cannot partake with us doing what you're doing, then they weakened their hands. If they had any concern about God, they would have said, let's prove to you that we worship your God and we'll destroy all of our temples and all of our altars and we'll only worship at this one and we'll help you anyway. Not what happened. If they weren't allowed to join Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the Israelites and stay just as they were, they then fought against them. I got a little card in the mail several, well, I think it was last year sometime. And, and I really don't even feel right about repeating what was on the card, advertising a quote-unquote church in the area. Uh, I don't use that kind of language, and I wouldn't. But it said on the back as it was explaining its profane statement on the front that we want to offer you a relationship with God that is guilt-free. You should not feel bad about anything that you have ever done. You should just come to God just the way you are. Let me tell you something. God will only accept you if you come just the way you are. You've got to bring your sin to God. But the God of this book called the Bible isn't going to let you stay that way. He's going to change you. He is going to conform you to the image of His Son. He's going to make you different. If you can come to God with everything that you have, now let me ask you that are saved here this morning, How many of you were glad to get rid of some things when you accepted Jesus as your Savior? How many of you were old enough to feel that burden of sin roll off your shoulders and out of your heart as you confessed that you could not save yourself and just simply trusted in Jesus as your Savior? How many of you are glad to be done with the bondage of religion, trying to be good enough to please God? trying to please the preacher, trying to, living in fear that if I don't do what I'm told, I'm going to lose everything that I have. Let me tell you, the same lies that were told in the book of Ezra are being told today. Different people, same lies. If you worship God the Bible way, 
then why wouldn't you agree with what's in this book? Amen? Let's go to two more. And they're both in the same category. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is concluding his message. Matthew chapter 7. He's addressing this subject. In verse 13, he tells us to enter in at the straight gate. He said, straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. We get down to verse 21, and here is the next lie recorded here that we'll be looking at. The lie is, Lord, Lord. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say unto me, say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Here's the lie. Lord, I served you with my life. Jesus is going to prove them as a lie. Look at verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never. Not I did. Not that one time I knew who you were. He says, I never knew you. Now, in this statement that they are making to the God of heaven, to Jesus Christ himself, they are saying... I prophesied in thy name. Now that word prophesied is the verb of the word prophet. The prophet had two goals or two duties. One, in the Old Testament before the scripture was completed, he was to foretell a message from God. He would give information that man had no way of knowing, he would bring revelation directly from God. Oftentimes, once he had given that message, he would repeat that message over and over again in his lifetime. The way I like to put it, he would foretell God's word and he would foretell God's word. He was a spokesman, or in today's uh, understanding, we would say he was a preacher. He had given God's word. And by the way, he says, in thy name, when you do something in the name of Jesus, you're claiming that these are the words that Jesus would speak if he were here. Be careful how you end your prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. If Jesus wouldn't pray that prayer, don't put that on the end of the prayer. Well, if Jesus wouldn't pray that prayer, don't pray that prayer, amen? They are implying 
that they were doing God's work, God's way. But when they met Jesus, their words were proved a lie. Let's go to Acts chapter 5. Just a few weeks ago, we were in Acts chapter 5 in our Sunday school time, and we went right through this lesson. And that's one of the reasons we encourage you to come at 1030, so we can learn the Bible story, so we don't have to repeat them during the preaching time. If you do not know this story thoroughly, I challenge you to read Acts chapter 5 this afternoon. But Ananias and Sapphira were two members of the church that was was at Jerusalem. And there was a phenomena going on in that church. There were people who were selling their lands and their possessions, and they were bringing that money and they were giving it to the church. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not asking for that to happen here today, all right? I'm just telling you what went on in the book of Jerusalem. and I mean, in as recorded in the scriptures... And there was two people, a man and a wife, and they got thinking about this and they said, man, look at what is happening to those people who are giving everything they have to the church. I mean, that would make quite a stir, wouldn't it? And they said, we need to do that. But you know something? It would be a shame to turn everything we have into cash and not take care of Ananias and Sapphira just a little bit. I want to challenge you that the lie of Ananias and Sapphira was the same one that we just read about in Matthew chapter 7. I've worded it this way to help us grab a hold of it. Self-service is not God's service. Doing what you believe is best for you is not serving God. How many of you have ever heard of the book, The Purpose Driven Life? The most popular book, nonfiction book in hardcover, I mean printed in history outside the Bible is that book. It tells you that God has put certain desires within you that you need to have fulfilled. Can I tell you that's the lie of Ananias and Sapphira? God is not interested in taking care of you. If you will lose your interest in yourself and surrender your soul to God, God will take care of you. And he'll do a far better job than you ever could. But God will only take care of you and he will only supply your needs when you give everything without reservation, without strings attached. There's so many people that are going to get right this close to heaven and miss it because they're trying to make sure that they don't lose out on something here on earth. 
the rich young ruler. He went away sorrowful, for he had many riches. He didn't tell a lie, but he believed a lie. He believed that those physical possessions he had was greater than the gift that God was willing to give him. We cannot, will not be saved until we give up who and what we are, until we lay everything at the feet of Jesus. Do you think God wants you to be a poor homeless beggar all your life? Can I tell you that that's not in the Bible? But how many people have taken upon them quote-unquote religious orders to become a poor homeless beggar so that they could serve God? That's not true. God says that if a man doesn't provide for his own house, if he does not take care of his own family, he's worse than an infidel. He's worse than a man that says there is no God and he's denied the faith. But let me tell you, if you're out there serving the world, trying to get the things of this world, trying to hold on to the things of this world, you cannot have the salvation that Jesus offers. God does not want you to serve him according to your understanding of service. He wants you to serve him according to his understanding of service. It's just that simple. How many times have I talked to people and said, well, I think I got a hold of this thing, but I'm just not sure. I said, well, what aren't you sure about? I'm just not sure I can trust God with my life. Now, they don't always say it in that many words because if you said it in that many words, you could see how stupid that statement is. I can't trust God with my life. Who better to trust your life with than God? Listen, I don't serve God because he does good things for me. I serve God because he is God and there is no else. There is none other than the God of this book called the Bible. And the same God that met Abraham on Mount Moriah is the same God that sacrificed his son in that very same place. And he's the same God that says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you today would take a moment? Don't look at your neighbor's life. Don't look at your husband's life or your wife's life or your children's lives. But how many of us today would take a moment and look at our life? And just simply ask yourself the question. Have I believed the lies that are recorded in the Bible? God put them here for a purpose. 
We started out today by saying the worst way to lie is to repeat someone else's lie. We can tell where it came from. We know it's a lie. Why would you repeat somebody else's lie? But how many of you have heard these lies repeated in your life? How many of you have had somebody, you've been to a church where they say, you know, the word of God is good, but you got to have. And they give you somebody else's book or somebody else's understanding or somebody else to tell you what the Bible means. You say, preacher, aren't you telling me what the Bible means? Yes, I am, but I also give you the challenge to take this home and read it and check it out for yourself because you don't need me. You need this book. Amen? That's the difference. We don't all worship the same God, my friend. I don't care how much people say that. Because you can't worship the God of this book and anything or anyone else. It's either God's way or it's no way. And God is not interested in serving you first. He wants you to serve him first. And when you do, he takes care of everything else. But he will not take care of everything else until you trust him with everything. I've given this example many, many, many times. And we'll just end with it this morning. One of the greatest things that can be had on earth today is the love of another human being. Would you agree with me on that? It's the most precious gift that any human being can give to another. But if there were, and praise God there is not, if there were a pill, that you could drop in someone's drink or put in their food. And by them drinking that drink or eating that food would make them love you forever. You never have to worry about divorce. You never have to worry about them being unfaithful to you or changing their mind. Once they took that pill one time, it would change them forever and they would only love you. How many of you would want it? Any takers this morning? Because you couldn't live with the fact that the only reason that person cares about you is because you made them do it. God created us that way. That's one of the reasons why we're made in his image, even though it's marred. Do you think God wants you to love him because he put a pill in your drinking water? Or he had the cosmic bingo game before the foundation of the universe and your number came up to love God and so you will? Let me tell you, that's a God of man's invention. It's not the God of this book called the Bible. The God of this book called the Bible says, I will only accept your love if you will willingly choose to give it to me. Because that's the only kind of love worth having. He says, but if you'll come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen.
I could talk about lots of other lies that are in the Bible. But most of what we will face in this life will come into one of these three categories. Somebody wants to change his words. Someone who does not worship the God of this Bible will tell you that they do worship the God of this Bible. And others will tell you that if you'll take care of yourself first, God will take care of you. Wrong. All lies. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you that you've recorded these lies in your scripture so that we can look at them, we can see them. And when we hear them repeated to us, as we often do, even by very religious people, we can easily discern that they are lies and not be destroyed by them. Lord, my first prayer this morning is for those that are present with us today that do not know thee as their personal Savior. Yes, they talk about God. Yes, there's been some kind of assent and some understanding of the things of the Bible. Yet one or more of these lies have tainted their understanding of you and have separated them from you. Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see, that we would understand the difference between the truth and the lie. And Lord, that you would allow us just to hold to the truth and not be harmed by the lies of this world. Lord, we ask for those that are saved, It is just so easy to relax a little bit. To just stop standing alone. Try to be part of the crowd. Lord, let us be true to your word at all times. Lord, we pray that we would not be needlessly offensive that we would not never, that we would never be rude and blame that on you. But Lord, that you would keep us honest and true and simply believing in your word. Help us to make a difference between the lie and the truth in the world in which we live so that others may see clearly to believe on Jesus. We ask you to work in this invitation time. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to have Franz come and lead us in the hymn of invitation 301. If you need to come and pray, the altar is open. If you're not sure about your salvation and you'd like someone to just show you what the Bible says, just get my attention as you come forward someone take the Bible and show you how you can know that you're saved. As we sing, will you come?